G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Wrestling All Style on SoundCloud, Spotify or Podbean. I'm your host, Chris Funderhog. You can follow me on Twitter at IamChrisFunder. But as ever, I'm joined by Mr. Fruity Alex Williams. How are you today, Alex? I am splendiferous. I am fantastic. I'm starting to get out and amongst the world a bit now, so I'm I'm loving life. Loving life. Um, where can people follow you on socials if they want to? Yeah, so follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Fruity is Alex and pretty much anything you can find me at Fruity is Alex. All one word. Yeah, and if you want to give the show a like or a follow, you can search for us on Facebook and Twitter, Wrestling Oz Style. Give us a DM. DM us. Tell us what you think. Yes, exactly. Any upcoming show ideas or any shows you want us to review. But today we're here to talk another Fallout Down Under where we're talking PCW's Grand Slam number two. You watched this one, Alex. I did, I did. I uh, watched it uh, via the Aurora website. Yeah, which is the community channel on uh, Foxtel, the uh, sort of cable network in um, Australia. So I've watched the Countdown special from PCW Network as well as Grand Slam from the network. So we're watching two different versions of Grand Slam, but it's also got the same matches on there with a few different bonuses on each edition, which we'll discuss at uh, certain points. Would you like to get into the uh, countdown, Alex? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, so 7th of March 2020, Professional Championship Wrestling's Grand Slam Countdown 2020 from the South Eastern Entertainment Centre in Melbourne, Victoria. This aired on PCW Network, which is available for, for $9.95 a month. So the first match was a singles match, Wake versus JJ Ferno, which ended in disqualification win for JJ Ferno after 8.38 when Sid Parker interfered and attacked both men before leaving. Second was a singles match, Aisha versus Mia Rose, went 6.57, Mia Rose won by a pinfall after hitting a stunner. Third was a five-way scramble match for the final entry into the Grand Slam Royal Rumble. Broderick Mitchell with Natasha Webb in his corner, Drayden, Lockie, James Sly Silva, and Jamie Drayden. This went 11.58 with Lockie winning by a pinfall on James Sly Silver after hitting a hammerlock DDT. Fourth was a singles match. Sid Parker and Charlie Matthews went 11.44 and ended in disqualification when JJ Ferno attacked Charlie Matthews. Afterwards, Wake returned and all four men brawled before PCW officials separated them and sent them backstage. Fifth was a Joe O'Connor and Edwin Dusk singles match. Went 6.05, Edwin Dusk rakes the eyes behind the ref's back and then hits the spear for the pinfall victory. And the sixth match of the night, the main event was a six-man tag team match. RB4K, Ryan Rapid and Sammy Falcon with Carl Grove in their corner, as well as Nate Cross with Dr. Troy Alexander in his corner versus the team of Lucas Daniels, Cass Stone, and Mark Cage. This went 16 minutes and 19 seconds, ending with Ryan Rapid growing the pinfall victory on Mark Cage after hitting a pop-up powerbomb. 
Um, do you have any questions on this show, Alex? So when was this one filmed and where is the state of the world at this point in time for the countdown show? Yeah, so this one was filmed uh, the weekend of March 7th. So this is about two weeks before Australia goes into major lockdown and about a week before that the government starts putting in major restrictions. Yeah, all right. Um, and how was this card? Like, what stood out for you? What stood out for me was it was more or less just there to build up towards Grand Slam the next weekend. The two singles matches that end in DQ end up setting a four-way match at um at Grand Slam next week. Sorry, uh, the six-man with the multiple champions in there is a preview of two singles championship matches at Grand Slam. You also have Joe O'Connor and Edwin Dusk, two of the competitors in the Rumble, as well as a Rumble qualifier match for the uh, last entry to enter the Rumble. So it does a good job setting up uh, for Grand Slam the next week really well. However, the show has no commentary on it. So if you're someone who's unfamiliar with people or unsure of where something's heading, you mightn't uh, realise on first viewing where something's going. Yeah, right. Um, that sounds kind of problematic for a countdown show that's meant to be hyping up something. but Yeah, and um, also just... I suppose this is more or less hindsight looking at it. Uh, Robbie Thorpe had a silly line where he made reference uh, that Tricky had uh, coronavirus and then went to attack Tricky in the grandstand and got beaten down by Tricky's men. Like, in hindsight, that's pretty bad, but, like, at that point in time, I think half half the country, if not more, was making fun of coronavirus at that point. Like, at one point... It, it was just a massive joke. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to turn on breakfast TV or radio without hearing one, which is now, in hindsight, a uh, pretty stupid comment. Yeah, yeah, or, like, someone coughs at work or whatever, you're like, oh, look out, you got the you got the virus. But, yeah, we, we didn't know what we would go through over the next few months. Yeah, so I've actually got it written down here, sorry. Uh, by this time... Australia had already started placing Australians returning from overseas in isolation camps for two weeks, as well as a travel ban to China, and unfortunately there was already two deaths from coronavirus in Sydney that week. Okay. Yeah, oh, the positive note. And then, yeah, just the, the tag team match, having the illegal man pin the legal man in the pinfall result and halfway through the ref just loses control and there's no tags at all do we have a lot to talk about with tag team wrestling in a little bit so overall i thought it was a an all right show but i just gave it two beers right i was gonna ask if do you think my enjoyment of grand slam would have been helped by watching the countdown show um because it you said it didn't have commentary, right? Yeah, no commentary. 
it sort of defeats the purpose of having a quote unquote countdown show, doesn't it? Like you got to have the commentators there to shill what you're counting down to. Uh, there was a ring announcer on this show as well as name graphics. Um, but yeah, other than that, no video packages, really no commentary to speak of, no backstage interviews that I can remember off the top of my head. So it's it's sort of um, strange in that sense. Mm. So from there, we'll move on to the Grand Slam event itself. It's the 14th of March Professional Championship Wrestling's Grand Slam 2020 from the State Basketball Centre in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Um, so, as I mentioned before, I've watched the PCW Network version, which went for 2 hours and 40 minutes. And Alex has watched the Foxtel Aurora version, or as it was marketed on social media, the director's cut of Grand Slam, which went for an hour and 24 minutes. Yeah, um, this is my very first time watching PCW, so I will have to ask a few questions at certain points. So on the Foxtel version, this starts off with the PCW Experience Wrestling opening video and the song Animal by Torrent Frill playing. So this is where I have to chime in. I was very aware that this show was going to happen. They did a wonderful job of marketing it, to be honest. I was just, I still somehow completely forgot it was on and tuned in about five minutes into the first match. So I missed the intro portion of all this. That's all right. So whereas on the PCW network version, there's a live performance of Animal by Torrent Frill. David Basaga is the ring announcer, and on the network version, he says there was controversy about if this event should take place, but nothing will stop PCW. On the Foxtel version, you have commentary done by Donny Basco and Shane Stewart. I suppose I'll have to ask you this, Alex. What did you think of the commentary team throughout the night? Uh, I felt like the commentary team expected people watching on Foxtel to know the backstories and know who everyone was. And that 100% was not the case. Like, I feel like they really dropped the ball in really telling, like, new viewers, like, what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, especially... Myself, I'm watching this on the PCW network. I'm, I've watched a bit of PCW here and there, but nowhere near as much as compared to, say, uh, PWA from Sydney or MCW from Melbourne. So whilst I might be familiar with some people, I don't have that um, extent of knowledge compared to those other two bigger companies. Yeah, and half the time I was like... Especially in a Aussie indie fan base, like the fans going there, they're going to just cheer and boo whoever they like. So at times, like, I couldn't tell, thanks to the commentators not doing that great of a job informing me, like, who was the heel, who was the face. They just sort of been like, after what happened last month, it's like, tell me what happened last month. 
this is probably the biggest viewership that you guys are going to get up to this point in time. Like, give everyone the rundown. Treat this like everyone's jumping on point. Yeah, and I will say this. um, So, going into the first match, we don't get any hype package on the network version, but on the... Uh, Foxtel version for most of the matches you do get a hype package before each match. Yeah, you do but like even like explaining who a character is or like why this character is what they are like like why is this person a bad guy now? Why is this person covered in paint or whatever, you know? And the, they'll just like make like little references that they almost expect that you should know already, and it just it really bugged me at times. Fair enough. So from there, would you like to go to the first match? Let's get into it. So match number one is a singles match for the PCW Ignition Championship. It's Cass Stone, the champion, versus Nate Cross with Dr. Troy Alexander in his corner. Now, I'm not sure if they mentioned this on the commentary. Cass Stone is referred to as the true champion. Did they... Explain that at all on the commentary that you remember. Uh, This falls back into my exact complaint about the commentary. Okay. I'm just going to assume that this guy, like, got screwed in a title match or something. Yeah. So he's the current Ignition champion, so I'm not really sure why he's referred to as the true champion when he's not the national champion, nor is he fighting in the double championship match later tonight. High-flying early on with Nate tossed outside before Cass does a suicide dive. Both men back in the ring and exchanging two counts as Nate tosses Cass over the top rope, but he skins the cat and head scissors Nate back outside. Cass goes for a dive outside, but Dr. Troy grabs his leg, allowing Nate back inside clothesline Cass for a two count. Nate slows Cass down by putting him in a headlock, but Cass fights out and Nate is hung on the ropes. Cass hits a 619 through the ropes, but is stopped by Nate first, then Dr. Troy from landing the jump. Nate lands an insecurity over the top rope and rolls Cass in for a two count. Cass begins to land punches before running into a spine buster off the rope. Nate removes his elbow pad and lazily motions like DX and The Rock. Goes for the people's elbow, runs into a clothesline. Both men are back on their feet and are trading kicks and punches. Cass is climbing to the top rope but gets a cheeky Nando's for his troubles. Cass lands a huge frog splash but only gets two count. Nate hits a skull crushing finale but also only gets two count. Cass counters a clothesline into a rock bottom but only gets a two count as Nate's foot is now on the rope as Dr. Troy had put it there. Nate pulls a distracted Cass into what appeared to be a modified code breaker. One arm around the neck driving the opponent into a falling knee. But Nate only gets two count and begins to argue with the ref that was free. Cass hits the same to Nate but only gets a two count as Dr. Troy pulls the ref away. The ref has seen enough and ejects Dr. Troy from ringside as the crowd begins to chant goodbye at him. Distracted, Cass turns around and walks right into Nate who hits the modified code breaker for the pinfall win in 1125 to become the new PCW Ignition Champion. Any thoughts here, Alex? Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple. You've triggered my memory here. What is an Ignition Champion? So Ignition is the weekly series they do on their uh, PCW networks. 
So it's sort of, I'd say, like a um, TV sort of level title. Would be nice if the commentators told me. Like, I'm watching this match for a championship that I don't understand what the championship is. How am I supposed to give a crap? Also, this match, I have nothing against the two performers. But there needs to be someone backstage or something telling these guys to rein it in a bit. Like, I'm just looking at your notes here. Motions like DX and The Rock does a 619, does a rock bottom, does a skull-crushing finale, does a code breaker. Like, this is just indie-rific at its best, right? Like, just doing all these famous finishes and one-two kickouts, bloody... Heel manager, crowd, na-na-na-na's at him. And then the distraction finish after all that craziness they did, just a simple distraction finish. I found it to be, like, what I don't like about indie wrestling. Like, and I'm sure these guys are great wrestlers. Just what they did this this particular night and they did everything they did very well. I just feel like someone needs to rein these guys in a little bit because yeah, every other move was like a famous professional wrestlers finisher, you know, like just chill out. This is like me playing with my creator wrestler on a video game and every other move I've given him is like some guy's finisher. So speaking of taking from famous wrestlers, what did you think of Nate Cross's very, I suppose, Seth Rollins-like gear here, the white with the gold piping? Yeah, um, it definitely didn't help my opinions of indie riffing. Like I said, I'm not here to hate, but I am here to be honest. And... This this particular match really triggered me in a way, like, yeah, this is just this is just two creator wrestlers just picking the best stuff that they like from their favorite wrestlers and just going at it. So yeah, after most of the matches, also on Foxtel, they get a match highlight replay video, whereas on the PCW network, we don't get that. Moving on to match number two. It's a singles match, pick your poison, with Lucas Daniels versus Sammy Falcon. Now, I'll ask you this before I read this out. Did the commentators explain the rules before the start of the match? Um, yes. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. They actually explained the rules on this one, but I actually missed the hype video for this one. So I didn't understand, like, I didn't get where they were coming from and where the feud was. And the the commentators would just, like, say things like, oh, after what happened with RB4K this particular month, they'd never actually said what happened. So it was really tough to get into for me. Fair So the ring announcer says, quote, each of our competitors will get to choose one object that they can use and will not suffer a disqualification, unquote. So Lucas Daniels chooses a kendo stick and Sammy Falcon chooses his RB4K teammate, Aisha. 
Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I love the logic in that. This is the weird thing I thought. I'm like, it's a pick your poison match, so he's picked Asia, so he won't get disqualified for her. But then it becomes a two-on-one handicap match. Yeah, well, she's a walking weapon. Yeah, but Lucas Daniels doesn't get his kendo stick taken away for periods of time. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. He, he doesn't have to give the kendo stick a hot tag. Maybe it was explained better on the um, commentary, like saying he's chosen Asia and they'll have to tag in and out. Again, I'm watching this without commentary. Yeah, and also I'm a very forgetful boy. <laughs> so it's now a two-on-one handicap match where Sammy and Aisha are taking in and out and Lucas Daniels can use the kendo stick. Sammy jumps Lucas before the bell rings and gets an early two count. And Aisha and Sammy are tagging in and out quickly, trying a number of pinfalls but only getting two counts. Aisha enters the ring untagged and the ref is telling her to exit. Lucas begins walking towards Aisha when Sammy picks up the kendo stick and strikes Lucas in full view of the referee. So I'm guessing the ref's just going to allow him to use the kendo stick from here. Yeah, that that was a bit of a flaw in the match. Again, without commentary, the way the ring announcer said it, it sounded like only Lucas could use the kendo stick. I remember this. The commentary was like, oh, can he use that? They were pretty much making the same questions we are about this. But they also didn't explain, like... If he could or not. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, oh, should he be using that? Well, all right. Sammy continues to use the kendo stick against Lucas, but falls to the outside, and Aisha enters the ring, tries to grab the kendo stick from Lucas. They have a tug of war, and Aisha is flung across the ring into Sammy's arms. As Lucas goes to swing the kendo stick, Sammy ducks behind Aisha, and Lucas hesitates. As he's hesitating, Sammy pops out from behind Aisha and hits Lucas with a super kick for a two count. RB4K begin arguing with the ref, saying it was free, while the crowd chants two back at them. Sammy has the kendo stick for a second time now and begins to use it to choke Lucas in the corner. Lucas goes up to the second rope, but is caught midair with the kendo stick by Sammy. Sammy goes for a running knee, but Lucas catches him and Aisha runs in to attack Lucas. Lucas walks backwards and Aisha spills outside the ring. Sammy hits a Famouser on Lucas for a two count and applies the cross face but releases as Lucas reaches the ropes. Sammy's tights are pulled down and some of the crowd begin to laugh at the him, so he decides to show them a full moon. Lucas has Sammy's legs and as Aisha runs in to help, Lucas releases Sammy and tosses Aisha across the ring. Lucas hits a V-trigger to Sammy and hits him with the kendo stick. He then lands an F5 but only gets a two count as Aisha dives in to break it up. Aisha goes for the kendo stick but is caught and Lucas is about to deliver an F5 when he's low blowed by Sammy from behind. Aisha goes full force with a kendo stick shot to Lucas's head. Sammy hits a running knee to the back of the head and Aisha drags Sammy on top of Lucas for the cover for the free count in 9.41. Thoughts on this match, Alex? Uh, fun little match. Lucas Daniels has something going on. Big fan of... Uh, he won me over a bit and uh, Aisha as well. I've seen a little bit of Aisha before, but yeah, would like to see more of her too. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. This was a, a really good match, um... 
especially Sammy and Aisha being RB4Ks, being more heels, so they're trying to outwork the bigger man. Yeah, it's just good to see some good old-fashioned cowardly heel stuff and all that sort of stuff. I, I enjoyed that in this match, and um, yeah, I thought it was quite fun and probably could have gone a little longer. Yeah, I'd have to have to agree there as well. It didn't it didn't outstay its welcome once it was done. Yeah, exactly. And that's you probably you're better off what leaving the fans feeling like, oh, it'd be good if we could have had five extra minutes. It's probably the goal. Exactly. Um so from there we'll go on to match number three. It's Tricky versus Robbie Four. For the bell. Tricky is posing in the aisleway after making his entrance when Robbie goes to the floor and picks Tricky up and presses him over the top rope back into the ring from the floor. The match starts and Robbie charges at Tricky in the corner, but he sidesteps and Robbie goes shoulder first into the ring post. Tricky begins to target the arm and shoulder of Robbie throughout the match, removes his weight belt at one point, but the referee grabs it and removes it from the ring. Tricky then continues to target the arm and shoulder of Robbie, but as he's holding Robbie, Robbie lifts him up and hits a power slam to break free of Tricky. Tricky's now begging for forgiveness, but it's a trick so he can start chopping Robbie around the ring. Not impressed, Robbie lands chops of his own onto Tricky and then runs around the ropes and delivers a clothesline from hell for the pinfall victory in 504. Uh, your thoughts on this one, Alex? I feel like there was a bigger story that could have been explained a bit better to me with this one. Yeah, I'd have to have to agree. It was a, a nice short little match. Um, Robbie going after his former mentor in Tricky, and um, the ending spot where he's running around the ropes. He goes over the top corner, around the apron, does like a buckshot over the ropes and a clothesline from hell. I thought that was a really good um, like finishing combo there. Yeah, and I will say Robbie Thorpe has he has a certain charisma and look about him. So there's a very bright future there with him. Would you say he's almost like not to be negative to the guy or anything, just for listeners who may be more familiar with um this wrestler, he's sort of like a Elliot Sexton, a Brendan Vink sort of wrestler. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely I'd I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Absolutely. Um, so from there, we'll move on to match number four, which was the main event on Foxtel. So it's the TLC match for the PCW National and RB4K World Championships. It's Mark Cage, the PCW champion, versus Ryan Rapid, the RB4K champion. So both championships have been hanging above the ring the entire night so far. And Ron is introduced by Carl Grove, who returns backstage before the match. Now, you saw this one in the main event, Alex, so your thoughts might be a little different than mine <laughs> going through here. I felt like the, the entire show, like the Aurora presentation of it, did a good job of like building up all night this Mark Cage versus Ryan Rapid match. So I was actually, by the time this match happened... I was very hyped up for it. Before the match, both men get streamers, which is 
uh, rare in Australia. Normally, we only see this in Australian wrestling for a retirement or a send-off match when someone gets signed to a major promotion overseas. Did you like the use of the streamers here in a championship match? Yeah, definitely. Big match feel for sure. Like, I think the last time we would have seen it on one of the major promotions would have been like um, MCW and PWA when Jonah got signed and did his last two shows there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So going into the match, Ryan is sent outside early and as Mark goes to do a suicide dive, he's caught in the ropes with a kick from Ryan. Ryan gets the first ladder and sits it on the apron, but Mark does a baseball slide into it, knocking Ryan over onto the floor. On the outside, Mark is then run into the ring post and has a ladder thrown onto him by Ryan from the inside of the ring. Back inside now, Mark scoop slams Ryan onto the ladder and sets the ladder up for the first time under the belts. While each man is attempting to climb, they're being pulled down by one another, neither getting anywhere close to the belts just yet. Ryan sends Mark outside and does a Frosby flop to the outside, but no one is there. And Mark follows up with a dive from the ring outside onto Ryan. As Ryan is down, Mark sets up a table ringside, but Ryan gets back up and hits him with the ladder. Back inside the ring now, Mark back body drops Ryan onto the ladder, and Ryan responds with a snapdragon, sending Mark onto the ladder head first. Ryan goes outside and grabs a chair and hits Mark a number of times in the ring before he begins to argue with the crowd. Distracted, Ryan goes to hit Mark with the chair again, but it bounces off the rope and hits him in his own face. Ryan has Mark set up in the ropes, draping between the ropes and a chair inside the ring. He lands a coast-to-coast stomp on top of Mark, sending him into the chair. Ryan then gets a second ladder to set up inside the ring. As he's climbing, he's just inches away as Mark tips over the ladder and Ryan lands on his feet and super kicks Mark. Ryan manages to land another back body drop to Mark onto another ladder in the ring. Mark now begins to fight back as both men spill up the aisle way. Ryan throws Mark onto the band's platform by the entranceway where they performed earlier and wanders off to the side of the entrance. He grabs a ladder from near the side of the stage and sets it up and climbs the stage itself and goes for a whisper in the wind, but Mark rolls off to safety and stumbles back to the ring. As he gets to the ring, he's met by Carl Grove, who's running full force down the aisle and hits him in the head with a chair then powerbonds him through the table so both competitors are down. Carl takes his top off and sets up a ladder and begins to climb to the belts. Mark is back and F5s Carl, leaving him down, climbs up the ladder and as Ryan is crawling back to the ring, Mark's unhooked both the belts to win in 1847. He poses on top of the ladder with both belts being announced as the unified RB4K World and PCW National Champion. Uh, your thoughts on this match here, Alex? Uh, great. I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was a fun way to end the show for me anyway. Um, I don't understand the logic of this being in the middle of the card for the live crowd, but I'm sure that's something we'll delve into later. Um Yeah, I thought it was a fun main event on my end. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Seeing the uh, card, I would have headlined with it myself. But hindsight's 2020, and I think you see their decision in that by headlining the Director's Cup with this match. Honestly, I'm looking at the layout of how it was for the live crowd and then comparing it to how 
how it was presented for Aurora. And I think, yeah, I think they figured out where they placed a few matches in the wrong spots for the live crowd. Yeah. So from there, we'll go on to match number five. It's a fatal four-way match. Sid Parker versus Charlie Matthews versus JJ Ferno versus Wake. So before the bell, Sid attacks Ferno in the corner. Wake then attacks Sid and Charlie then attacks Wake before the ref rings a bell and it's on. There's a lot of one-on-one in the ring while each man has been thrown to the outside. It's very fast action and only goes six 58 when Charlie lifts up Sid for a choke slam that he then turned into a powerbomb midair and gets a pinfall victory. Quick little match. I thought this was a really good match. Just lots of um, fast action in the ring with um, each man sort of being in and out and then brawling ringside as well. Um, so, if, so is Wake Sid Parker's kayfabe brother? Because they kept saying that on commentary during this. This is one thing I was going to ask you about. Because I'd never, like, never even heard of Wake before, but definitely had heard of Sid Parker before. Um, Maybe. I, I I can't say. But then again, these two events I've watched this month from PCW have both been without commentary. So then, does that make Wake a dinosaur? Because... Half of Sid Parker's gimmick is that he's a dinosaur, right? Punk rock dinosaur, yeah. Yeah, he's the Jurassic Punk. Like when I when I saw him in person at Mayhem Pro, their second show, he wouldn't speak words. He was just like growling and snarling and like acting like a dinosaur. So th- does that make Wake a dinosaur? I. Sp- Bows, I'd have to look more into it. Also, where might uh, reality TV junkies know Charlie Matthews from? Oh, uh, yes, I completely forgot. Uh, Love Island last year, I believe, or the year before that. So I've never actually watched Love Island, but they made a very big deal on commentary about, you might know Charlie Matthews from this. That is something they did correctly on commentary. This guy's got a bit of mainstream name value. Hammer at home. I can't remember if him and Warburg have had a match or if they were just having a feud on Twitter there for a little while. Yeah, that needs to happen if it hasn't. I'm sure it probably has. Yeah, I'd have to look in the archives there of PCW. But we're getting off track again. <laughs> so we go on to match number six, the co-main event on the network version and the final match that Alex watched. It's the PCW Tag Team Championship match. The Stallones, Rocco and Tommy Hellfire, your champions, versus the Black Diamonds, Jason Blade and Seth Tanner. Now, did you see the pre-match hype video for this one? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, the Stallones are very impressive. Just, like, physical, like, charisma about them. Like, as soon as they come out, you just look at them and you think, oh, these guys. I'm not that ignorant. I definitely do know who Tommy Hellfire is. He's, a, he's been around for years now. Dude's looking trim and, like, just in the best shape of his life, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. He's still 
like if you're watching the early MCW stuff from their archive, Tommy Hellfire's on some of the very, very early MCW shows, and he still looks really good here today. Yeah, um, the the oldest MCW show I watched on the archives was when Tommy Hellfire lost the title to, I think it was Carlo Cannon. And like, it was like a really big deal. And he never really shows up much anymore. Like he never really shows up again in MCW after wondered, Oh, what happened to that big impressive looking dude? And, well, this is where he is. So from there, we'll just get straight into the match. The Stallones get a special entrance, being accompanied to the ring by four women in white shirts and top hats. Did the commentary team explain any significance about this? Oh, they said something about, oh, this is the something rather girls or whatever. You know, they're going to party with the Stallones tonight or whatever, but they never really explained, like why they are the something rather girls or whatever. Okay, so as we start the match, Rocco and Tanner are staying for their respective teams and Rocco offers a handshake, but Tanner just slaps Rocco straight in the face, which leads to Rocco snotting on Tanner. Tanner then tags in Blade and both men are in the ring as the ref asks Tanner to exit four times. They hit the heart attack and Rocco is down as Hellfire enters the ring. They toss Hellfire outside and go back to double-team Rocco as the ref asks Tanner to exit a further time before he eventually does. Hellfire is now on the outside and pulls down the ropes, making Blade spill over the top rope to the outside. Hellfire tosses Blade back inside the ring and is then tagged in as the Stallones begin to get the upper hand, isolating Blade. Rocco is tagged back in and delivers a neckbreaker as he goes over to the corner to goat Tanner. Tanner enters the ring, but the ref forces him back outside. During this time, the Stallones switch in the ring as the ref's back is turned to see Hellfire now in the ring. Rocco is on the apron and says, That's a tag, ref. You heard it. And the ref appears to just shrug his shoulders at this. Hellfire has Blade isolated as Rocco was distracting the ref by trying to get across the ring on the apron. Rocco is then legal as he's tagged in, takes a sip of his water and goes over and spits water on Tanner waiting in the corner. As the ref's trying to keep Tanner out, the Stallones take advantage again before Rocco and Hellfire are caught cheating holding Blade's arm and the ref jumps up and kicks them apart. Blade is slowly crawling towards his corner but stopped by Rocco but he gets the upper hand and finally tags Tanner back in. Hellfire tags himself in and is caught with a running knee before Rocco's interfering and is caught into a rock bottom. Tanner tags Blade back in as they focus on the illegal Rocky. Hellfire returns to take down Blade, but is caught in a sleeper by the illegal Tanner, and the ref's checking the choke because rules, I guess? <laughs> Hellfire backs Tanner into a corner and is released before charging both the Black Diamonds into the corner. Double splash and a lariat to Blade and a double splash again by Hellfire before Blade and Tanner fight back. Hellfire lands a diving top rope double lariat and begins to chop Blade as Tanner's still in the ring. Tanner knocks down Hellfire before Rocco returns and takes out Tanner. Hellfire and Blade are the two legal men left in the ring as Tanner and Rocco fall outside. Hellfire hits a German release suplex and a crucifix into a power slam pin for a two count as Blade kicks out. Rocco is on the apron with the belt 
and Tanner runs across the ring and delivers a sunset flip across the ropes onto the floor from Rocco on the apron. The ref exits the ring to check on the two men on the outside and Hellfire picks up the belt in the ring. Hellfire goes for the belt shot, but Blade ducks it, super kicks Hellfire and he drops the belt. Tanner returns and they hit the magic killer Go for the double pin and the ref counts free for your new PCW Tag Team Champions, the Black Diamonds in 11.47. And as the ref goes to present the belts to the Black Diamonds, he has to search in the ring for the second belt on the floor. Uh, what did you think of this one, Alec? Um, I believe, and I've got a screenshot right here, because I knew I wouldn't remember, so I screenshotted it, found the screenshot, um, I sent you a message the night I was watching this and I said, I don't really think this is a spoiler, but beware nonetheless. I know it's your gimmick, but there is a tag match where both members of the tag team stay in the ring and I counted for one minute and 31 seconds. When someone finally went out, I'm pretty sure it was the legal man and the legal one stayed in for a little bit. I now understand your gripes and that is exactly how I feel. You have shattered the glass and now all I see is horrible, horrible tag team refereeing. And this match right now, uh, this match of the Stallones and the Black Diamonds was honestly completely ruined for me by the lack of consistency in upholding the rules by the referee. Yeah, at that stage, at the very start of the match, it's like in the first five minutes where he asked Tanner to exit four times. He asked him to exit once. He asked him to exit twice. He starts counting to five, stops, and then asks him to exit again before they hit the heart attack. Yeah, it was just... What are they doing? Like, like, and I think that it might not be the referee's fault on this. It's def- It definitely might be the wrestlers, the Black Diamonds, just refusing to get the hint. <laughs> Especially when you're saying they've been asked four times. Yeah, I actually went back to check that. I'm just like, he didn't ask him four times, did he? He's just counting, isn't he? No, he asked them four times. Yeah. Yeah. I did a slow count of one minute and 31 seconds too from my memory, so it could have actually been long, longer. So um, a couple of positive things. Uh, I really like the Stallones. There's something going on there. I would like to see these guys go to all the promotions in Australia. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. They're they're probably one of the more hidden tag teams in PCW compared to the the bigger promotions. Yeah, exactly. And um, man, Tommy Hellfire's like he's like an Australian Randy Orton, like the way he's built these days, like sort of lanky but like all shredded and stuff. Like, dude, he he should be like tearing up this scene right now. Like I, I don't, I don't know why I'm not seeing his name in more places these days. Yeah, I, I'm not, not really entirely sure either. Um, another thing. 
Uh, I think uh, two or three of the mat the matches on this card involved people hitting a rock bottom. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, this was one of them. Um, is this the new super kick? Everyone hitting a rock bottom these days. What's up with that? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe it's um something they teach them in the uh, PCW Academy. Full disclosure, I'm also saying this on a, a, about six or so hours after Edge, for some unknown reason, hit a rock bottom on Randy Orton. So I... I'm still scratching my head and, like, I'm starting to think the rock bottom is the new, like, spammer move that every wrestler does nowadays. Well, we're about 20 years removed from that, and when everyone started super kicking, it was about 20 years removed from when Shawn Michaels was on top, wasn't it? Yeah. Somehow it's gone from... uh... What was it, last year over Mania Weekend, everyone was hitting Canadian Destroyers. We've gone back a little bit. (laughs) We've simplified it up from Canadian Destroyers to Rock Bottoms now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So after this match, the ring announcer, David, um, thanks the audience in attendance given the circumstances, and they go on to the main event on PCW Network, the Royal Rumble match where the winner earns a future PCW National Championship match. So this is match number seven, your main event. Traditional Rumble rules apply. Um, I'm going to be honest, this was near impossible to follow without ring announcing and commentary and name graphics. So I have like one question, and that is, what do you happen to remember? What is the most amount of people at one time they had in the ring? Not off the top of my head, no. Sorry. Okay, because yeah, like this was towards the start of the pandemic, but st- even still, a bit risky to have a rumble match. Yeah, I suppose hindsight now, you wouldn't. Knowing what we know today, you wouldn't have done this. No. At least it's a rumble match where you can sort of stagger people out. Like, it's not like a bloody battle royal or anything like that where everyone's in there to begin with. I think the most I do remember is around six. Most of the time I do remember around four. At Like, four being a peak, two being a low. Video game rules, you can't have more than six at once. Yeah, Um, so, yeah, this was hard to follow, especially given they were using um, people not on the PCW website either. So someone would come out, there'd be no ring announcing to get the name, there'd be no name graphic. You can't go on the PCW and find out who it is if it's someone who you don't know instantly by looking at them on camera for maybe two minutes. So I've only got the last um, elimination ring down here and the winner. So this went 48-43 total time, bell to bell, with Sammy Falcon last eliminating Lockie to win the Rumble. Um, was there any notable non-PCW guys that showed up in this match? Um, 
nobody I recognised. Okay. The the only ones that um that showed up were again ones that I didn't recognise, and my notes ended up becoming like, for example, number seven eliminates number nine, and number nine gets eliminated by number eleven. Okay. So it it just became a um a confusing mess <laughs> in that regards. Uh, how was the crowd during that one? Yeah, pretty good. About about the same as they'd been most of the night. They were a pretty good crowd, I thought. Um, especially during the you know the unification of the titles matches with Cage and Rapid and the tag team title match. They definitely, um, especially for the finish of the tag titles, they they were real hot for that. Yeah. So I'll read out. Um... Now that we've gone through that, the order that you would have watched this in, you would have watched um, Castone and Nate Cross for the Ignition Championship, Tricky and Robbie Forp in the Grudge Match, Lucas Daniels and Sammy Falcon in the Pick Your Poison Match, where Sammy chose Aisha as his partner, the Fatal 4-Way Match, Sid Parker, Charlie Matthews, JJ Ferno and Wake, the Tag Team Championship match, the Stallones and the Black Diamonds, and the main event on the Director's Cup was the TLC Champion versus Champion winner-takes-all match, Mark Cage versus Ryan Rapid for the PCW National and RB4K World Championships. Do you think the order I read it out in was better or the Director's Cut? Um, 100% the way I watched it, the Director's Cut um, the order in which you read it out with initially, really head scratching that they even booked the card like that. Yeah, so after intermission, it was the four way match, the tag team championship, and then the rumble that went just shy of fifty minutes. I don't understand the point in the the point of the rumble, like besides the number one contendership, like. Like, why did that have to go on last and why did it have to happen? Especially if you're not even going to show it or not even going to bother putting commentary on it on your own network. Like, Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure, but if I was to say which order the matches aired in, which is probably one of the only times we're going to discuss this... Um, I'd have to say, yeah, the director's cut makes the most um, sense if you were going to sit down and watch these building up to a main event. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I was c- completely blown away because I, I literally just found out as we we're recording this that <laughs> Mark Cage and Ryan Rapid wasn't the main event, and that's yeah, that's a real head scratcher for me. Yeah, so when I when I was looking into this, I realised there was two different versions and you saying you'd already watched the um the Foxtel version, I decided to watch the the network version and um get two different opinions on a on an event that I don't think we'll get again for a long, long time. Yeah, and I think I think our ratings on this event are gonna be a fair bit different just due to the order in which we saw things and, you know, the fact that I didn't have to sit through a 50-minute 
rumble match with no context and no commentary. Yeah. Um, so would you like to move on to positives and negatives? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so just a couple of quick positives of mine. Um, PCW had addressed on their social media and their website that they were putting COVID-19 public safety measures in place to ensure the event could have fans, including hand-washing stations and spacing between groups of fans. So, um, for example, if I was attending with you, we could sit together and then leave a seat between us and the next group of people between us in the same row. The ignition match, I thought, was a really good um, mix of high-flying in-ring and heel manager tactics to open the show. The Mark Cage, Ryan Rapid double championship match, I'd say, was my match of the night, and honestly, I would have closed the show with it. And then just a small... Um, positive as well, Sid Parker not using the green mist on this show would be a rarity for Sid, and given the situation, I thought that was a good move. And Sid Parker on Twitter is actually a woke king. He's, like, really got his finger on the pulse of things, and um, no surprise there that he did the right thing. Do you want to list some of your positives, or should I just go into my negatives? First of all, I just want to say um, we've got very differing opinions about that ignition match, <laughs> um, that ignition championship match. But um, I, I really, I really can't get past like how much Tommy Hellfire stood out to me in that tag match. Like he was the glue of that match, while the other three were sort of just running around being crazy. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what was the main event for me, the Cage Rapid match? Those boys brought it. That was incredible. And also, like like I said earlier, really hot crowd for the matches that that mattered the most, like the title matches. They were very hot for it. And it was overall like a... Like, presentation-wise, a really good look for PCW. Like, like me watching PCW for the first time, like, it looked like a big deal. And I think that's a good positive for the guys as well. Uh, def- definitely got me interested into checking out more of these guys, despite a few of the negatives that I've said earlier. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with um, their quality of... um video presentation so just from there i'm gonna go on to my negatives um again no commentary on your biggest show of the year on your own network personally i would have rather waited a week or two and had vod with commentary instead of next day upload some of my other negatives are directed at the network version where Uh, Without commentary, it doesn't help. So the pick-your-poison match rules where the ring announcer says they get to pick a weapon and they won't be disqualified if they only use that weapon. And Sammy uses the kendo stick in full view of the referee and isn't disqualified. I found that a bit confusing. 
He's also picked Aisha, so why does Aisha have to take in and out? I've also found that confusing. Um, and the tag match, apart from the tag rules and lack thereof, just, yeah, given the climate at the time, Rocco both snotting and spitting water on Tanner, I was not a fan of. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And then just finally, um, I've mentioned it before quickly, the Raw Rumble without name graphics, ring announcing, commentary, or a full uh, listed roster on the PCW website or network for this event. It made it impossible to track everyone. I'm sorry, but I tried my best. Yeah, and as far as my negatives go, I sort of delved into it as we went along. Um, I... You enjoyed the Ignition Championship match. I don't hold that against you. It wasn't for me. I felt it was very, uh, very indie-rific, uh, just spamming other people's finishes. Uh, the tag rules in that tag team match, like you've said it, I've said it already. Um, also, yeah, and I've mentioned earlier, the commentary just... Not giving you a proper context, like sort of talking to you as if you know half the story already. So almost talking to you, it felt like they were talking to me in code at times. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this thing. I don't know that thing. Tell me what that thing is. So, um, yeah, overall, I, I had a good time watching it. Yeah, so overall, I'm going to say two beers. And I think that's where I was the lucky one. Um, the match order and the order of the card, like the way I watched things was, well, looks of things, a lot easier to digest than what you had to put up with, unfortunately. I'm going to give it, I'll give it three and a quarter. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. If I was... Uh, watching the version you watched in the order with um, highlight videos and commentary, I think I would be able to grade this a lot better. The um, the closing half of this show just really dragged it down for me as well. The um, four-way into the tag match where the rules were out the door in the first five minutes and a rumble where there was no commentary or name graphics, so a lot of the talent was just mystery person yeah um yeah so that's what we thought of pcw's grand slam um so yeah they did say that their crowd was down a little from last year when they got about two thousand people i think publicly they said around one thousand four hundred attended um and the following week they would tape a series of um ignition for the pcw network their tv show um, but it would be without a public audience. So from there, do you want to go on to what we've got coming up over the next few weeks, Alex? Uh, let the good people know, kind sir. So again, this is all um, card subject to change with our work se- schedules. But um, June 17th will be March 2020 in Australia and New Zealand, where we're going to cover about 10 events. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've watched more than just two different promotions this time. So 
We could be in for a long episode. Very good. And then on June 24th, it'll be your show, Alex. Yes, yes. Uh, Fruity's ultimate game show, uh, name subject to change. Who knows? I might come up with a silly acronym at some point. But we're going to do some fun fantasy booking and... I hope you're ready to bring yay game, Chris. I'll try my very best. And then on July the 1st, it'll be the first edition of Pick Your Poison, where we're going back to the WWE's weekend in Melbourne at the MCG with Mania Championship Ground. Yeah, and I think um, the best part about that episode will be the stories of, like, everything in between the shows that you saw and the sh- the one show I saw. What, drinking in the members bar at the MCG that I'm not allowed in when I do the tour there? <laughs> yeah, but, but have a good drink or two. Um, yeah, I might have an interesting story about uh, the apartment that we stayed at and staring out the window watching a large group of angry young men run towards another large group of angry young men in what appeared to be a gang brawl outside our window. Oh, this does sound like a good discussion for another day. Yes, exactly. And now that I've put it out in the universe, I won't forget that I have to talk about that. (laughs) Unless, of course, we do. Exactly. And then you can just message us and just say, Oi, Alex, you... You bloody goose. Yeah, so from there, sign off and see the listeners later in the week. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a very content-heavy week coming up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so this one will be out uh, Tuesday, and then we should have March out on Wednesday. Thursday, maybe Thursday. Let's let's put Thursday out in the universe, and that puts a little bit less pressure on poor Chris, who does all the hard work whilst all I do is just talk crap. Sounds good. All right. um, I don't really have anything else to add, but um, I hope everyone's just staying safe, doing whatever they're doing. And, you know, I've said it before, wrestling is a wonderful thing to take your mind off the worries of the world. And, yeah, it's always fun to sit back, watch some wrestling.